0: This episode is based on and inspired by a true story. Some personal details have been changed, removed, or added using creative liberty to protect the anonymity of the patients and therapists. The medical interventions and scientific backing have not been altered to the best of this author's ability and are based on the current scholarly literature. Please visit the website, ChasingOT.com, and take the short 14-question survey after listening as a way to support my doctoral capstone project and further research. My name is Chase Granowski, and this is Chasing OT. It was another busy day, homeschooling the boys and then running them around town to their various sports and clubs. Once her sons were dropped off and a ride home with a neighboring parent was secured for one of them, she raced across town to work. She was tired and overworked. Her two boys were everything to her and she would gladly be twice as tired and doubly overworked if it meant they were happy. Stopped at a red light, she looked out of the driver's side window at an overcast sky and gave a half-hearted chuckle through her nose. Her mind and body were drained, and sitting in the car during her commute was some of the only relaxation time she got each day. It was hard being a single parent of three children. Her daughter was off at school, but having two teenagers in the house was enough to exhaust anyone. They were new in town and knew next to nobody outside of a few peripheral family members in the area, so the task of raising and providing for her children rested solely upon her shoulders. The depressed-looking clouds began shedding their extra water weight in a light shower. She flipped on the mist setting of her windshield wipers. I hope the storm doesn't get too bad, she thinks. Soon after, she pulled up to the strip mall where her musty office was located. She parked and walked up a flight of stairs before entering through the familiar glass door with a push sticker, half torn diagonally, displayed at chest height. She exchanged a warm hello with the receptionist of the nonprofit she worked at as she entered the building. After getting briefed on the daily to-dos, she headed down the hall. The bottom of the door smoothed the outdated carpet that covered her office as she entered. She sidestepped to the right and set her briefcase down on the desk in the middle of the room that desperately needed a fresh layer of varnish. The old wooden chair, with a cushion so past its prime that it was next to unnoticeable, creaked as she sat down, popped her back, and took out her laptop. Hours later, she came out of a deep focus and looked up from her computer at the clock. As she read the time, her muscles spasmed, and she reflexively jumped out of her seat. She was late! In order to get there on time, she needed to have left 20 minutes ago to pick up one of her boys. Her bag quickly filled up with her work materials and she threw on her coat. While doing a slight jog and fumbling with her belongings, she ran out of the office and shared a rushed, See ya! with the receptionist. As she ran across the parking lot, she avoided puddles of standing water that the rain was generously leaving anywhere that it could. She flung the door to her car open and instinctively unloaded her armful of items into the passenger seat as she sat down behind the steering wheel. The engine growled to life as she put it in drive. She pressed the gas pedal down and buckled her seatbelt with one hand as she drove the car of the parking lot with the other. In the car, she tapped the sides of her thumbs restlessly on the steering wheel at a red light. The radio seemed a distant sound as her mind raced about being late and how it would throw off the rest of her schedule. There was no way she could catch up and get everything on her list done today. She began going over new ideas on how to adjust her schedule in her head. When the light turned green, she gunned it. Tragically for a hard-working single mother, a distracted driver ran the perpendicular red light. The rain had ensured that the streets were wet and no amount of braking would stop the crash once it was in motion. They collided. The encounter left her with multiple injuries. She had broken bones in three of four limbs. Metal fixators were externally mounted around both of her legs. Miniature scaffolding made of steel and screws protruded directly out of her skin and bones. When the dust settled, she was non-weight bearing on both legs and one arm. This meant she could not put any weight on or through her legs and one arm at any point during a day. She had to move and live with the use of only one limb. Unfortunately, the one arm without a broken bone that she could use incurred a nerve injury that caused a dropped wrist. This stopped her from being able to hold her wrist straight out flat or from extending it so that her palm is facing outward like it might if she were to push open a door. Secondary to these physical injuries, the woman was not able to eat, had difficulty sleeping, and intensely worried about her son's well-being. With no friends and limited family that was unfamiliar to her at best, she felt alone and unsupported. Crying herself to sleep became part of her nighttime routine the first few nights in the hospital. To top it all off and add an extra layer of stress to her life, she had no insurance. The occupational therapist assigned to this patient was well-established and had been licensed for years when they met. On her initial review of the patient's chart, the main thought the OT had was,
1: Oh, why didn't she have health insurance?
0: The situation being what it was, the OT was determined to make the most of the time her and the patient had together. After the patient left, there would likely be no further medical care or therapy provided to her, so the OT needed to make every session with this patient count. The patient was maximum assist with two or more people to complete any activity when the OT started working with her. Their goal by discharge, have the woman be at an assist level of one person for her ADLs and transfers. They hit it hard and got to work immediately, the OT recounts.
1: So she really had one good limb that she could work with. So teaching her different ways to move, to have some more independence and feel like she had some control. Um, Cause she was very devastated and tearful, very stressed out. Like she would talk about how she couldn't eat and how she wasn't sleeping well and worried about her kids. So some of the other things that we worked on too was stress management.
0: They go over different ways the patient could move around and interact with items in her bed and bathroom. Basic self-care activities such as grooming or toileting were introduced and adapted appropriately by the OT, either by modifying the equipment, the technique used, the environment, or the level of assistance provided by the OT. Similar activities of daily living, or ADLs, like feeding or dressing, were also touched upon. Competency for completing different transfers from point A to point B were worked on as well, whether that was from a bed to a wheelchair, a bed to a commode, or a wheelchair to a drop arm commode. Seeing as the woman now only had one usable extremity at her disposal, the OT and her did a lot of problem solving together on the most effective ways for her to complete the tasks and activities she needed to in a normal day. They found a technique where the woman can dress herself, both upper and lower body, with the least amount of assistance. The woman was given a client-specific exercise program from the OT on ways she could strengthen the areas of her body she needed to be stronger during and after her recovery. It included exercises geared at improving strength, stabilization, and control of her trunk and wrist. Since it was a new aspect of her life that she would live with for a significant amount of that calendar year, the woman received education and interventions around wheelchair mobility. The OT fabricated a supportive wrist splint to keep her wrist from dropping and able to be used for functional activities. Adaptive equipment, such as long-handled eating or grooming utensils, were explored and recommended if the woman could and would use them later. Since she was uninsured, any adaptive equipment had to be purchased, rented, or received from donations or nonprofit organizations. The OT helped connect her with these groups so she could obtain the recommended equipment at a more manageable price. Tools, such as meditation, were explored to handle and deal with her elevated levels of stress. She had enjoyed pursuits such as yoga and other health-minded activities before her accident, so an agreement was quickly reached to implement a meditation routine. When it was nice out, the OT took the woman outside for some of their therapy sessions. The woman always loved the outside therapy sessions the most. When the doctors were going to discharge the woman prematurely based on their knowledge, the OT advocated for her to stay longer and educated the doctors on why she needed to remain on the unit and continue to receive therapy. At the time, even if she was medically stable, she just wasn't functionally able to go home. The OT also helped set up a family meeting with the woman, her family, and the healthcare staff, so they could effectively plan out her recovery plan after discharge.
1: And this is one of those situations where I really had to strongly advocate for this patient and ask for family meetings and do all that. It was just so multifaceted, like we were working on the psych social, we were working on the physical, we're working with someone who has no resources, and no insurance or anything like that, Um, who had a lot of stressors, who we had to do a lot of advocacy for. So it was just a little bit of, of everything.
0: Surprisingly, the woman's perceived distant family came rushing to her side in a wave of support upon hearing about her predicament. She went from believing she had no support system at all and relying on the OT for help at home when she got there to having a handful of loving people in her corner. She had a support system now. Beforehand, The OT had helped fill that void. The OT worked with the family members and caregivers to educate them on the woman's condition. She provided training on how to care for and live with the woman. Since she had no insurance, she would have to be discharged home, and the OT aimed to make sure that the patient and her family members were ready to continue care independently once they arrived. After several more weeks of therapy and hospital care, the woman was being discharged home. It took the healthcare team some time to get her to a place where she could go home safely. It cannot be overlooked that the woman's motivated and positive attitude during therapy helped her progression immensely. The woman had improved her trunk strength so much that she was able to use her single, less affected arm to maneuver herself around with minimal physical assistance. With help from the OT to set up activity items and supplies, such as laying a t-shirt out on a bed with a long-handled reacher, the woman was able to complete upper body dressing. She only required minimal assistance with her legs to dress her lower body. All of this with movement precautions, fixated limbs, and one arm operating at less than 100% efficiency. The OT helped her regain the ability to complete toileting by herself with some minimal adaptive equipment. The amount of mental relief she felt knowing that she wouldn't have to ask her teenage sons for help in the bathroom was incalculable. All the while, the OT was also addressing and trying to increase the woman's ability to problem solve on how to live with her current impairments how she could overcome challenges unique to her and engage in the meaningful aspects of her life. Facets such as her hobbies, the chores she needed to complete around the house, or tasks that she needed to do at work. They discussed these parts of her life and more, and with the OT's direction and help where needed, they figured out how she could still do all these elements in her life that were essential to her. The OT explained her method in this regard.
1: I always encourage people, like, trial and error. What works for one person might not work for you. And so let's just, as long as you're safe, let's try it. You know, as long as I'm here to help you, let's try it.
0: Her stress and anxiety levels continually dropped with each therapy session and obstacle hurdled. On the day she left, the woman was still non-weight-bearing in her legs and one arm. She was wheeled out of the hospital in a wheelchair by one of her sons. The other waited at the curb with a car he had borrowed from a friend. Like a well-oiled machine, they got their mother into the car without issue or unwarranted pains during the transfer. The OT's educational interventions must have made an impact. She had a long road ahead in terms of her recovery, but she was set up as well as she could be considering the circumstances. And as the OT put it,
1: She's just inspiring to work with. And as far as how she did, I mean, I think she really got the optimal functional improvements that she could based on her restrictions, her weight bearing restrictions and everything. I think a lot of it was just her motivation, her attitude.
0: As always, it's important to note that the woman's recuperation was not due solely to occupational therapy or any one profession. An interprofessional team of physicians, surgeons, pharmacists, social workers, physical and occupational therapy, amongst others, contributed to her well-being and recovery. It took an entire healthcare team to get the woman to where she needed to be to go home. For this podcast, I'll look at what the OT did and why when it came to the multitude of interventions we covered in this story. To start everything off, the OT asked the patient questions about herself, and together, they created goals for the woman to achieve before she was discharged. They then continued with a lot of education on the woman's current condition. Aspects such as her estimated recovery timeline, expected gains and milestones, movement and other restrictions to adhere to, and what the plan of recovery looked like. Although there is no substitute for a concrete support system of people around you, the OT was helping fill that need for the woman as best she could, in a professional manner, at that time. We as people desire support systems, and do exponentially better when it comes to medical recovery when we have a good one in place. The OT would alter each session and based her daily interventions on how the patient was doing. If the woman was more stressed than normal either due to life circumstances or maybe the sight of the external fixators that encompassed her legs, they would start the session with some meditation. The OT always ensured the patient's legs were covered during the meditation and afterwards, if that had been the source of her anxiety that day. In order for the woman to start using her less affected arm efficiently in daily tasks, the woman needed to improve her trunk strength and control. The efficacy of how well someone can reach objects and manipulate their environment with their upper extremities is dependent on their core posture. Developing strong trunk muscles is the first step in getting someone, like this patient, to be able to use their arms or legs again in meaningful ways, the way the OT phrased it.
1: We worked a lot of like core strength and stabilization, working on that. She really needed to have that core and trunk strength to kind of get herself into long sit to start engaging in other things like prepping for the wheelchair transfer and getting herself in a position to do dressing of her lower body.
0: ADLs are activities of daily living and consist of basic tasks such as feeding, grooming, or dressing. This focus on her trunk allowed the woman to be able to move around more independently. This gave her back somewhat of a sense of control. She felt like she had lost all control over her life at that time. She couldn't care for her children, couldn't work, couldn't care for herself, couldn't pay for her hospital stay, could not choose when or where she would be discharged. The OT was aware of this lost sense of control. Beyond helping the woman be able to move where she wanted, when she wanted, the OT would often give the woman options during their therapy sessions regarding their interventions. Any opportunity to give the woman some sort of control of her situation was capitalized upon. Even aspects as small as the choice of which meditation to start the session off were purposefully posed to the patient. Choices such as that were given with five or so options, so as not to overwhelm the patient with thousands of possibilities. This allowed the OT to provide the patient with some control in her daily activities without overloading her during an emotionally and mentally turbulent time in her life. Micro aspects of care such as this may seem marginal, but the mental benefits were noticeable in her behavior and attitude towards therapy. As previously mentioned, the major psychosocial theme that the OT hit upon with this patient is that of support systems. When the woman had none, the OT filled that void as best as possible from a professional stance. When the woman's family members came in and revealed themselves as her support system, the OT educated them and ensured that they would be able to care for the woman after she left the hospital. Having a support system that positively affects a person is one of the best signifying characteristics to the success of one's recovery. Even physical interventions were done by the OT to help support the woman and increase her independence. The OT made a static wrist cock-up splint out of specific thermoplastics and common binding materials such as Velcro straps. This means she created an open-faced cast out of specialized plastic to fit the woman's less affected extremity. The splint left the woman able to use her fingers for functional activities while keeping her wrist from dropping due to muscle weakness. With the additional support the splint gave her wrist, an entirely new world of mobility and independence opened up. She could grasp her spoon or use her phone again. The patient was able to use her unaffected arm to feed, groom, or dress herself. She was able to put weight on that arm and move around her bed well enough to go from laying down to sitting at the edge of the bed, ready to start her personal morning routine with the OT. All of these are daily tasks that would not have been possible without the splint. Going outside for the patient was exceptionally meaningful. She didn't have time to go on hikes or sunbathe, but she enjoyed yard work and didn't understand how much the little sunlight she got rushing from building to car or car to building meant to her. When the OT took her outside for their therapy sessions, the sunlight hitting her face and body felt like someone removing a cling wrap suit with a warm towel. She was able to relax, she was able to get vitamin D, and the release of other feel-good neurochemicals like dopamine from the sunlight. Probably the biggest aspect of what the OT did and why lies with her advocacy for the patient to stay at the hospital longer, effectively acting as a support system in another fashion. From the primary physician's point of view, the patient was medically healed up enough to go home. A completely reasonable and logical stance with the knowledge they had at the time. The OT was able to explain that although she had reached her medically stable and ready for discharge status, she wasn't ready to be sent away. She needed to gain more independence and decrease her level of needed assistance to complete tasks. The family needed more time to be educated on how to properly and safely care for the woman when they went home as well. To top it off, the woman also needed more education on methods or techniques to complete her ADLs herself. All of that and her discharge plan considered, she would have a better recovery and heal best in a hospital environment for just a little longer. The OT and healthcare team did an immense amount of work with this patient. Her positive attitude, possibly due in some respect to the work of occupational therapy, had a measurable effect as well. It took everyone on board, from healthcare providers to family members, to treat this patient to the highest degree possible. Their efforts proved fruitful. The woman was set up for success from the moment her sons helped her into the borrowed car and she gave another half-hearted chuckle through her nose. Thank you all for listening. This podcast is part of my doctoral capstone experience project and relies heavily on your participation. Please go to ChasingOT.com and take the extremely short 14-question podcast survey. This podcast is one in a limited series that looks at the major patient psychosocial themes that occupational therapists address across practice settings. These themes and sub-themes were identified through analyzing interviews from 13 OTs across multiple practice settings. This episode concentrates on the psychosocial theme of support systems, which I define as a person's desire to have an individual or group in their life that cares for them and the effects having or lacking that social safety net produces. If you are interested in more information about occupational therapy or my research into the psychosocial aspects covered in this series, please visit ChasingOT.com. Thank you again for listening to the podcast and taking my short survey. This is the Chasing OT Podcast.